We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 13th edition of the Road NFL podcast brought to you by, well, nobody, by us. I mean, that's the exciting part of this. We're going through all of your major week one waiver wear pickups, getting you set for week two. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic uh, fantasy football week. I know I did. I actually had a really successful, of the 15 leagues, Jake, I went 12 and three. That's a pretty Even good week. Even with Kyle Pitts having a down week. That I is know. a pretty dang good week, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, a lot of thanks to a lot of other bad teams that I faced. I got very lucky. That's all it is. But we'll go over all of that. Maybe I'll try to avoid stop talking about my success and we'll help you guys reach success for week two. So stick around. Again, welcome to the Tuesday, September 13th edition of the World NFL podcast. Again, Joe Bartle, Jake Letarski here every week, here to break down the waiver wear every week, every Tuesday. Got a lot of information, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, maybe even a few tight ends that you can pick up and roster and hopefully start for this week to be successful. Before we do that, let's get a word from one of our sponsors, Betel. Be honest. You care more about fantasy football team than your own hometown team, but playing in season-long fantasy can sometimes feel like you're dating your hometown. Same faces, year in and year out. Like just enter Battle. Battle's arena. You can import your season-long lineup to bet, play anyone on your network in a weekly match for real money. With just a couple of clips, clicks, you'll be matched with hundreds of other players with similar lineups you can choose to challenge week in and week out. We know you spend your hours every week pouring over your, wa- your rosters, so why not? Why limit yourself? Enter the arena and send your first $10 match to receive a $50 bonus from us straight to your account. Offer only eligible for first match. Bonus funds need to be used on future matches and cannot be withdrawn. Go to betl.co slash rotoware. That's B-E-T-T-L-E dot C-O slash rotoware to sign up and import your team today. That's betl.co slash rotoware. See you in the arena. You know who also missed being the arena? Uh, That was Russell Wilson. Your $265 million QB ended up uh, not participating on a critical fourth and five at his previous home stadium. Seahawks Mm -hmm. secure a 1760 win. Destroy my survivor chances if I had played in week one. I thankfully do not play survivor week one. (laughs) The only survivor I do is uh, starting week two. It's the office Mm rotoware one. I would have absolutely picked oh, the Seahawks, right, yep. and I would have absolutely lost. But thankfully, I am not among those people who lost. And actually, there was a whole bunch of Survivor people, uh, mm-hmm. Colts, right? If you played, oh, I think a tie keeps you alive. Uh, though, in the only it? Survivor leagues that matter, don't talk about your dumb friends and family ones where, where ties <laughs> are wins. Like the big circle one. Nah, those, yeah, yeah. that's a loss, right? Niners loss, uh, and Seahawks joining the equation lost as well too. Mm-hmm. 
Ravens were the only well, thing. Seahawks won. Broncos. Well, so, yeah, 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 I'm saying because of that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there was a lot going on with this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, it felt a whole lot more like a Seattle Seahawks revenge game than a Russell Wilson revenge game. That's for sure. Um, the crowd was absolutely electric, and I guess you can expect that. Doesn't seem to be having a whole lot of love there in Seattle, uh, you know, after kind of implying that he wanted to trade out. The 12 versus 3, right? 12 is greater mm-hmm. than 3. Uh, yeah. Those, those were good. I'm yes, there are a lot of those out funny, there. Yeah, yeah and the, you, you see that, you know, ESPN went out of their way to do the trader on the back of the jersey shirts, show those fans and whatnot. Um, I'll say with Russell Wilson, uh, he's easy to love when he's on your team, as were evident with uh, the Badger days, but he's also easy to uh, despise when he's not on your team. So I definitely get that. Uh, kind of a corny, interesting fellow there. But uh, uh, beyond that, the fantasy of this, yes. So there was a point where I believe it was 3rd and 14 with about a minute 11, minute 15 left. The Broncos had three timeouts. They ran a uh, – uh, Judy was wide open across the middle. Russell dumped it off to Javante Williams. It got him to 4th and 5. And then they just let the clock run and run and run. with the, And uh, they got up to run a play, had to call a timeout to avoid the delay of game. And then after the commercial, uh, the kicking unit comes out. And McManus, I know he's got a leg, and I know, that, but I also know this is in Denver. Um, his career long, I think, was 61, and they attempted a 64-yarder here. And, of course, McManus is the team player saying on Twitter, man, I got to make that kick. That was my line to get. I got to do that. But Nathaniel Hackett, first-year coach there, is uh, – you know, and former Packers taking a lot of heat for that move right there. So, uh, yeah, that was Freddie Kitchens level stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we were already yeah. questioning, uh, if Nathaniel Hackett was the guy mm-hmm. earlier this offseason because he's making some dumb comments about Alberto Quegmanoon and, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And I, I mean, I'm pretty darn convinced that he is a, a first year fire coach, like Urban Meyer. Freddie Kitchens thing. Look, we're we're done after the season. He yeah. he's like that was. This is a game. This is a game season. you really can't lose, and you really, especially can't lose it in that kind of fashion here. But uh, to get into the fantasy of it all, this is uh, you know this is very interesting. Geno Smith looks surprisingly competent. Yeah. You know, uh, everyone wrote him off, but I guess he didn't read that book. That was his post game interview, and he started out the game seventeen for eighteen. So uh, you know, the final stat line: one hundred ninety five yards, two touchdowns, fourteen rushing yards. Not going to blow up the fantasy world. But competent enough for a Seahawks team, especially if you're going to get that kind of performance out of your defense. The running backs on both sides of the ball, I thought, were very interesting. Rashad Penny didn't really have the greatest stat line, you know, 60 yards rushing and uh, just uh, two catches for seven yards receiving. But he looked pretty good in the open field. He he showed some burst to me. He definitely passes the eye test as someone who can carry that backfield as long as he stays healthy. But the real thing fantasy managers want to know about is the Broncos side, right? You know, Melvin Gordon uh, got five more carries than Javante Williams, but it was Javante Williams who definitely seemed to look a whole lot more explosive. Javante Williams was the guy who was targeted 12 times and caught 11 of them. So PPR monster, uh, you know, despite him not finding the end zone there. Uh, and you know, fumbling, right? Yeah. The- well, see, no, that's the thing. He fumbled on the one-yard line, so but Gordon. so did Melvin Gordon, right? So they both did. I think this is the first time that in, like, and not even just season opener week one, like NFL history that two different players fumbled on the one yard line oh, of the opposing nuts. teams. Okay. It's one of the first times I saw that stat throwing around. I don't know, you know, tweet ESPN stats and info, not me, I guess, but uh, it was something like that. So it was a, it was a really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so Javante Williams stock doesn't necessarily go down despite that fumble, uh, which, you know, is not tradition. And uh, Melvin Gordon will still be plenty productive, but obviously Javante Williams is looking like that, uh, what was he third round pick second round pick maybe yeah, mid second yeah. third round and i i already reached out to everybody that i saw that's rostering javante and said hey 
Mm-hmm. If you want to trade him because you're worried about those carries things, send him my way. Now, Ooh, that was, yeah, that's that a good was move. I need to start looking. <laughs> absolutely great performance. I'm, I'm convinced Javante is going to be somebody mm-hmm. I regret not having enough shares of. And um, I, we saw it last year with Javante and Melvin Gordon splitting time. Melvin was more of the pass catcher. If that's mm-hmm. the difference, right, that we have Javante now being, I mean, frankly, more situated for that role, if he is that mm-hmm. good at breaking tackles like all the yep. PFF wizards like to say, then he should I be mean, the pass catcher guy. And that was clear. I mean, yeah, he, he the eye test is beautiful. He catches the ball in the open field and he can make the first man miss. And I saw that happen multiple times because he had plenty of opportunities. He's going to be a great fantasy asset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hardly a buy low because the 12 targets, anybody who sees that should be like, okay, definitely don't want to get rid of this guy. But, yeah, I guess it's worth putting a, a couple feelers out here. How about my guy, DK Metcalf? Looking pretty good, even though he got uh, like five catches for 30 yards. That was <laughs> it was a hard... seven for 36, okay. but it was 100%. He was targeted seven times, right. caught every single one of them. He, I think, Patrick Sertan is, is yeah. a really good corner who was matched mm-hmm. by Metcalf the whole time. Packers, take notes. Yep. When you have a really good corner, put that on a really good receiver. <laughs> exactly. See what happens. Don't well, do whatever he did. Yeah, that one. and we sniffed this out, I think, earlier in the mm-hmm. preseason when we said that DK Metcalf is, has got the size, athletic tools, physical enough – to catch balls that won't always be thrown perfectly to him. Whereas Tyler Lockett, you know, on the flip side, might need to be hit in stride or or have someone that can throw a really good deep ball. So uh, it definitely looks like DK Metcalf is the guy to roster. Tyler Lockett, you know, maybe not someone you cut yet, but definitely someone you have to debate actually starting here. Um, last note I had here was the tight end. It was very interesting here. I mean, uh, the Seahawks go out and use Colby Parkinson and Will Disley a lot. Noah Fant was still involved. He actually got more targets than both of them, but the final line was really uh, uneventful, three for 16. He has to be someone that, you know, as much as I like him and his athleticism, he has to be someone that if you were relying on him, you think about replacing with one of our tight ends that we discuss later in the show. And then Denver, also very interesting. I mean, Albert O, six targets, five for 33. Again, nothing too crazy impressive. He should have been used more. Uh, you back at the start. Yes, yeah, and, and and he was the guy that like, yeah, he had those two big plays right on the opening drive. I was like, wait a minute, is this Albert O hype? Is it was that was that unwarranted? But eventually, you know, he came back and got involved. Uh, I think he was open, and Wilson needs to find him a little bit better. And then lastly, Judy and Sutton really really quiet early on. But they both got going, had uh, decent enough fantasy games. Especially it was Judy who got the touchdown. Beautiful play. He caught the ball when he was in, in coverage, and he shed the defender yeah. and then took and it to the house. It looked yeah. it looked fantastic. And Sutton has that capability, too. Both are going to be useful every week starters, I think. Uh, my takeaway is I will take every Alberta Quegmanoon share you want to sell to me. I was pretty convinced towards the end of that game, especially as the mm-hmm. Broncos were, were trying to rally, that he was going to be a weapon. And yep. it was like Russell Wilson discovered, oh, wait. This mm-hmm. six foot six guy who runs uh, a four four five yeah. is actually getting open all the time like that. That mm-hmm. that was I think good. the film's going to show that right, yeah. and he's going to get more targets in future weeks because the film. I mean, I could see that sitting on my couch. I test, you know, I'm, I'm exactly. no scout, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, you know, when Russ looks back at the film, he'll see how many chances that uh, Alberto got a separation. Him against linebackers, you get the, the size size speed combo. Most linebackers in this league have no chance. The other takeaway was Cortland Sutton seems to be legit. I I was taking mm-hmm. Judy. Of the two, I mean, both were going around the same spot, yeah. fourth or fifth round. I Sutton's ADP was probably a little bit higher. but Slightly. I mean, yeah, you, you had to pick. You weren't going to get both. I, I thought I was going to fade Sutton more. Sutton looked just to be a complete target. I think uh, that's going to be a guy I'm going to regret not having mm-hmm. enough shares of as well, too. Yeah, so, both ended up with seven targets, you know, numbers-wise. I, I'm, I'm liking that Broncos offense. Obviously, the result wasn't what you're hoping for, and Nathaniel Hackett is a hack. 
But at the same time, I think Russell Wilson is going to be just fine. Yeah. So are those pass catchers. I'm not willing to, to th- completely no, no, throw no, no, a packet under the bus yet. No. I mean, it was a poor decision, poor opener, but I still think this team finishes above 500. Well, that's fine. He's a bad coach. That's not even that high of a take. No. That hot of a take, I guess. This is this team. I mean, if they finish below 500, he might be gone mid-season. No, but uh, but uh, no. That would be. I told you that's Freddie Kitchens kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, no, okay. He'll be fine. All right. Let's let's get into the actual portion of the podcast here discussing these waivers yes um for listeners out there first time that you might be tuning into this getting yourself your week two lineups we try to go off of yahoo uh roster rate and we are targeting Mm -hmm. players under 50 percent rostered so if you're going to ask us about a 60 percent guy whatever fine we can give Mm -hmm. you our advice on that on twitter on the comment section here in the video that's not what we're shooting for this Mm -hmm. podcast is specifically targeted for under the Raider waiver mm-hmm. waiver wire targets, yeah. and uh, I mean Tyler Boyd, perfect example. You'd think he'd be a great pickup. Fifty six percent roster. We're not going to spend a ten, ton of time talking to him because it's pretty much uh, you know your ten team leagues and less that uh, where we try to get a good window here. I mean, we're going to talk about two quarterback leagues. We're going to go down to some deep flyers here to hopefully help you across all kinds of formats. We want to get. We're not going to recommend every name, but we want to at least hit on every name that you're going to see out there and, and and weigh some pros and cons along the way. Yeah, let's start with the quarterbacks because we're going to have. To have some at least come up. Dak Prescott, broken thumb, out six to eight weeks. Although we had Jerry Jones just recently on uh, whatever the uh, Dallas radio station say they're not putting Prescott on IR and they're hoping mm-hmm. that they can get him back within four weeks. Great. I, I hope I could be six foot five. Not going to happen. So stop being an idiot, Cowboys. Do the right <laughs> thing. Maybe trade for Jimmy G. In the meantime, you have Cooper Rush as your starting quarterback. Yeah. I have talked to literally every single person in leagues in which I have two QBs, and I have a few of those. We've talked about them, uh, about Dak Prescott and if you need to trade for them. So, Jake, I have to talk to you. Yes. Dynasty League, Dak Prescott, roster. I have a lot of QBs. What would you be willing to trade for? Matt Ryan hmm. or uh, somebody like that? I mean, we're going to have to have that conversation. See, fortunately, you don't exactly have my balls in a vice grip here because uh, – <laughs> Because I have uh, Jameis Winston, a guy who uh, you know we'll talk about in a second as a, as a great waiver wire great, ad. A segue into yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So uh, I have Jameis Winston. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'll probably bid on Cooper Rush just because uh, it's a uh, you know it's a quarterback heavy league when 14 teams are all keeping 20 players and everyone's hoarding quarterbacks. It's really hard to find a starter any given week. I can't you know if uh, Jameis were to you know I don't know get injured in practice or something knock on wood and there was nobody out there and I didn't pick up rush I would be toast because there's nobody actually starting on the waiver wire so I would be interested in uh in some trades possibly but uh you may not quite have as much leverage as you think there but uh yeah, no. against the Buccaneers though this week like specifically yeah. if you're if you're picking up a quarterback mm-hmm. for that press game, you have to go week to week I mean most situations you're not going to have somebody yeah. who's dumb enough to take two elite QBs like I did you have to go week by week. So Winston against the Buccaneers, we yeah. saw what they did against Dak Prescott. That defense is elite, uh, even mm-hmm. with the piece that they've lost over this past offseason, which wasn't a lot. But they're getting guys like Antoine Winfield healthy. Their secondary seems to be better overall. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, so here's how I feel about that game. Remember the Chiefs and the Cardinals this week where the Chiefs came out and absolutely dominated, and then Kyler Murray ended up with a 20-point fantasy day and pretty much a largely garbage time? That's pretty much what's going to happen with Jameis. I could see them starting slowly and then uh, getting some junk late, even though the game isn't as competitive. So I think he'd be fine, though I would prefer if we're streaming. Uh, I do like Matt Ryan, 43% rostered at Jacksonville. I think he's somebody that uh, we can go to if we're streaming. Or even lesser uh, rostered is Carson Wentz at 14% at Detroit. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts looked like an absolute world beater mm-hmm. against Detroit. 
maybe Detroit's defense just isn't all that good. You know, he gets the, he gets indoors. And uh, so I'd be looking for Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz for this week. But for long term, I think Jameis and, you know, we'll talk about his wide receiver weapons towards, uh, you know, when once we get to that section. But uh, I think Jameis is going to be just fine this year. Yeah, I think you're going to have to go week by week. And, and maybe maybe you have the options to think long term. Maybe there is a Winston. You look at his schedule and say, OK, I can make do for four or five of those weeks. And, and I have a roster spot to spare for Matt Ryan this week or a mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. I think Matt Ryan is in that same caliber of week to week. You can start him now quarterback 14 isn't exciting, but when you have Dak Prescott and you're out for at least two months, yeah, you should be okay with getting a, a Matt Ryan or Winston to that extent from a budget perspective. I'm thinking single QB leagues, Jake, how much would you invest if you were a Dak Prescott manager? I think you could rationalize up to double digits. You know, again, I like so to go like to that. 10%. I like to go to that 12% maybe yeah. if you need to make sure you get somebody. But also, I think, you know, there'll be guys under the radar a little bit more that you can probably get for cheaper. So, like, if you don't necessarily need that quarterback but are just looking for, you know, a backup or maybe you don't have a ton of faith in your original guy, I think the standard is going to be 5 to 6%, to 5 to $6 bid for your top guy, with the reason being because you should be able to get Matt Ryan for, a, you know, a 3 to $4 bid or Carson Wentz for a $1 to $2 bid or, or percent, I guess I'm generally working off of a $100 budget. And even if that doesn't work out, I mean – you probably don't want to be starting like Jacoby Brissett against the Jets, but that doesn't seem to Daniel Jones against the Panthers. Those are, you know, they're, they're less attractive options. Um, the one guy that comes up in a lot of waiver wire shows this week is Marcus Mariota. Um, I think Jeff called him in his sneaky ads yesterday. He said he was basically getting like uh, Jalen Hurts stats or Kyler Murray stats for a much cheaper price. Cause what did he run for 72 yards? He was mm-hmm. running early on. We'll see how long that holds up. The problem is, is I don't love Marcus Mariota at the Rams uh, next week, having to deal with Darren, Aaron Donald. I, I know they didn't look against good against the Bills, but the Bills are the best offense in the league, perhaps. I imagine the Rams defense will come around. So I don't love Mariota against the Rams, but I think longer term, as long as he can stay upright there, I think he's going to be plenty serviceable in that offense. No, I, I tend to agree as well, too. Now, in, in two QB leagues um, and super flex ones, the likes of Davis Mills and, and Geno Smith and Jacoby Percent have already probably been picked up. Yeah. Would you say that you would want to start a percent against the Jets? Uh, obviously, Jets defense looked miserably bad. The whole team was miserably bad against the Ravens last week. Mm-hmm. But Jacoby Percent, who was also miserably bad, he did okay yeah. against yeah. the Panthers. I don't know. That's where I, my my questions lie with him. Yeah, and that's where you have to look. Do you, you look at that bottom of the barrel, guys that were maybe taken, maybe not, or do you go to Cooper Rush, or do you go to uh, – we didn't know last week, but Zach Wilson's going to be out until week four, so it's pretty much the Joe Flacco show in the meantime. Doesn't look a whole lot better there. I wouldn't touch him against the Browns this week. Miles Garrett looking like a monster out there. The other interesting situation is Mac Jones. He's had, he's had back spasms. You know, he went, he had some x-rays there, negative back spasms you know, don't just go away necessarily. And, uh, you know, he says he could play week two at Pittsburgh. If not, it's Brian Hoyer time. Man, I know TJ Watt has that pectoral thing, and, you know, maybe it's not as bad as he thought, but Minka Fitzpatrick and that Steelers defense looked absolutely nasty. That was the CBS primetime game here in Wisconsin. So that was the second TV with uh, Red Zone on the first TV. And uh, every time I looked, Joe Burrow was turning the ball over, just getting smoked. Um, so I don't really want to touch those Patriots either. I guess I would try. I, I, I tried Geno Smith, I guess, out of that whole group of five, six names we just mm-hmm. mentioned. Geno looked good against a pretty de- decent defense. You know, he's got to go on the road again. 
the San Francisco mat- defensive matchup isn't necessarily a good one, but uh, you kind of grab him and hope that you can get something you know consistent long term because I don't see that from really any of those other names. This is why I hate playing in super flex leagues, is because I, I don't want to have to debate the value between Cooper Rush and Bailey Zappi and and, and mm-hmm. Brian Hoyer like. These guys yeah. are all garbage. Don't, yeah, I guess I, I, I didn't mention Zappy. Zappy's the rookie the on New England. Yeah. After Sorry. so it's Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, who's got some you know Bill Belichick familiarity, and then yeah, Bailey Zappy, the rookie. Zappy's I'll be like honest, the athletic I know guy. nothing about. He, yeah. he can do the running stuff, and I think would be a mobile option. And maybe that's. I mean, we need confirmation. If like if Zappy's starting, that would be a guy out of that group. Mm-hmm. Not Geno Smith. I think Geno yeah. Smith is actually a tier above these guys mm-hmm. I mentioned, but Zappy would be. Yeah, I mean, if you're but, down that low, that's, right? That's you think about grabbing Taysom Hill, you know. Well, he's a tight end, though. Oh, in most I saw spaces. he was quarterback eligible in Yahoo. Was I wrong well, about that? Okay, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. I, everywhere mm-hmm. I play, he's tight. So you're end, you're so. hoping for the best, I guess. But um, I'll, I'll confirm that in a second if we okay. you know, move on to the next one. Yeah, the, the Jared Goffs and Daniel Jones of the world. Daniel Jones was 25 percent rostered as according to Yahoo against the Panthers and Goff against the Washington Commanders at 21. Mm-hmm. percent I actually would rather have the Geno Smith, maybe not against the Niners, but like. I'm not going down to that tier. I think Daniel Jones uh, in this match against the Panthers specifically could be a yeah. bit more in trouble. Although I would have, I don't know. I, I actually had the Giants. Oh, I had the Giants at least covering the six and a half spread against the Titans. I didn't know if I was mm-hmm. expecting a win, but for three and a half quarters, they were not that good of a team. Certainly, Daniel Jones wasn't. Then obviously mm-hmm. came alive. Da- Daniel Jones was really getting the mouthful from uh, what Gables or <laughs> I, I, coach I, on the I didn't see that clip, and, and now I'm a, a little upset because everyone keeps mentioning it. But well, maybe maybe that's what he needs. A coach needs to get in his face like that. Oh, that's that's possible. All right, let's take a break. Uh, get a word from our sponsors here. The video audience, stick around. Um, we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's dive into the running backs overall now. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell, painfully, uh, this is why I can't celebrate my 12-3 and three across 15 leagues is because yeah. Chris Godwin, who we'll talk about later on, and Elijah mm-hmm. Mitchell were probably, I think, I four of my top five rostered players. Like, that was in my category. Mm-hmm. So, And you're not willing to listen to any Kyle Pitts offers? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I, will st- I will buy every the share of those that I have not already gotten. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's completely fine for me. So Elijah Mitchell going to be out for an extended time with the M- MCL sprain. Evidently, it's better than we thought. I feel like every injury we hear that, though, you said that same for TJ Watt. Dak Prescott's the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, don't talk to me about optimism. It stinks that I lost my guy that I was hoping to be RP2. Yep. Now it's Jeff Wilson. Although we had a situation in week one, obviously the conditions in Chicago were, I think, so abhorrent that we, we have no idea yeah. what this offense will really look we ha- like. We have stats and snap counts and touches and stuff it for this matter. game, but you pretty much have to throw all that out. And to complicate the matter more, Tyrion Davis Price, their third round pick this year, obviously they cut their third round or last year, Trey Sermon. Davis Price was not active. He was like a healthy coach's choice inactive for this. We'll obviously be able to play. We have now the decision, is Tyrion Davis-Price going to be your guy, or is it uh, – I'm blanking on the other one, Mason, Jordan Mason, yep. who had earned a spot as an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. That becomes the backup to Jeff Wilson. I think that actually matters a little bit in deeper yeah. leagues, but let's first those discuss are, Yeah, Jeff those Wilson. are absolutely like your longest of long shots here. And, uh, you know, we have to st- think about Jeff Wilson, right, because picking up Elijah Mitchell after week one last year was a league-winning move. There's no denying that, and that's why the waiver wire – is so important week one. So a lot of people will think, you know, okay, same, you know, same offense, a lot of talent around him. Um, Jeff Wilson, only 17% rostered. Uh, you know, he's got at least the next, we, we presume eight weeks here. So he's the next man up. Like you said, Mason Davis price going to be his backup. Uh, Wilson was the only running back to see carries after Mitchell exited. And on, and on the day he had 58.2% of snaps. So all signs are pointing to Jeff Wilson being the guy, but uh, uh I just I got to be the one to say maybe not so fast. This isn't a twenty percent fab bid like a lot of people are thinking. Sure, you can put a safety bid in there, and uh, he is arguably the top running back target for this week. But you definitely have to temper expectations a little bit. With the reasons being, uh, Trey Lance going to get a ton of carries. You know, he led the team in carries. I believe he had like twelve or thirteen carries. I don't have it off the top of my head here. Trey Lance going to get a bunch of carries. Um, Debo Samuel going to get carries again because that's just I know they said they they weren't going to do that as much and then <laughs> right. and then they Literally went out and, then they went out and did that now some of it again uh yeah so Trey Lance led the team with 13, 13 carries yeah. Debo was second with eight carries uh or no I guess he, he was second in yards but uh Jeff Wilson was second with nine carries so um there are a couple of problems you know with Jeff Wilson he's not the surefire guy uh both of the, the quarterback and the receivers are probably going to vulture TDs from him and uh you know we We've always kind of seen committees here in San Francisco anyway. So while Jeff Wilson, I could rationalize, you know, 
somewhere in the eight to twelve percent range. I don't think he's a guy that you're. I mean, yeah, you you fill us in as a as a Mitchell owner. Uh, you pretty much have to bid on Wilson to give yourself a startable option, you know, to protect yourself against any future injuries. But how much are you really willing to go? Yeah, so Wilson's rostered in seventeen percent of the leagues. I would say of the fifteen I'm in, he's rostered in twelve of them. I don't have to really make this decision for myself for the most part. I think stake league might be the only example, right? Where we have shallower benches and I mm-hmm. do think I would go a little bit higher. Like I wouldn't be surprised if in a stake league and you're in the other side of this too, is like a 27 or 32 type of bet out of the hundred fab dollars. Like I think he is going to be, especially because we know Elijah Mitchell is out for an extended period of time. Wilson is by default your pass catcher of that group. I don't know Jordan Mason well enough, so maybe I'm speaking out of my ass and I shouldn't be, but I, I think Wilson can do three down stuff. I anticipate when we're not playing in a monsoon, the 49ers offense will look better. So while Lance got a lot of carries, Debo, unfortunately, mm-hmm. will still be a factor too. Wilson's going to do enough and I think have a critical enough role in that offense that he is an RB2 situation. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to commit more resources to him yeah. to, to acquire him. And they have the Seahawks this week. So at least in the short term, it's looking pretty favorable. I mean, the Seahawks didn't look particularly great uh, trying to tackle Javante Williams, especially in the open field. Now, again, that's Javante Williams. That's not Jeff Wilson. But uh, yeah, so Wilson has to be, you know, while I'm here to say temper your expectations, he still has to be the top running back pickup though this week, right? Can we agree on that? It would have been close if not for today's announcement that Najee yeah. Harris actually says he's going to play week two. So for mm-hmm. those of you just catching up or watching the podcast live, Najee Harris on a Sirius XM show, not ours, unfortunately, said he will play week two. This is like a definitive will play week two came straight from the horse's mouth type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's concerning to me because yeah. we, we had a high ankle sprain. I mean, J.K. Dobbins right? said he'd play week one too, right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we're going to get to that as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not convinced we're actually going to see that occur. But mm-hmm. for right now, we have to under op, op, operate under those pretenses. Because Najee Harris is expected to play week two, again, according to him, mm-hmm. a guy like Jalen Warren, who I thought for the next month or so could be a very valuable pickup in the same vein as Jeff Wilson, falls down in that category. For yeah, me. I mean, any kind of first-come, first-serve waivers, we're definitely picking up J- or Jalen Warren uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, right? Because uh, you got this guy, Najee Harris, who limped off the field. All the initial reports were a high ankle sprain. Already which was gonna, dealing with the Liz Frank yeah, and injury. Yeah, yeah, there's already that weird Liz Frank thing. And then you throw a high ankle sprain on top of that, um, you, you assume that he's going to miss three, four weeks. Now, it doesn't necessarily look like the case, so I'm not quite as crazy excited on uh, Jalen Warren yet. But I did Basically, here's how I'm handling this. I picked up Warren for nothing in first come, first serve mm-hmm. in a couple leagues, and uh, I'm not going to drop him yet. That's about as, as confident as I have. And, you know, again, you ne- never want to waste roster spots in fantasy. He could be a guy that you could definitely stash and, uh, you know, just to see how this Harris situation okay, plays Okay, so out. let's let's put this into the context for the people. I, I believe, like, between Wilson, Wilson, Jeff, Will, uh, Jeff Wilson and Jalen Warren, I'm probably committing something like 32% 36% of my budget overall to get those mm-hmm. in places where I have empty roster spots. Let's go for an example. Mm-hmm. You took four Chiefs wide receivers thinking, hey, I'm going to get a stack. Yeah. Not somebody over here. I guess, sorry, over here. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever you're going to point. <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you commit to picking up one or maybe both of these guys over a Sky Moore or an MVS where it's clear they are not going to be mm-hmm. consistently relevant? You're taking your rolling the dice chances on – these running backs, or do you wait it out and say, Hey, these wide receivers. And there's a lot of other examples. I was just picking mm-hmm. on you. for. This oh yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Definitely pick on me for that. I deserve it. And I, and I knew this was going to happen. I, you know, I took the guys knowing that one or two of them were going to be on the chopping block relatively exactly. early yeah. here. And, and this um, seems like the perfect situation to yep. maybe 
like exactly. rid yourself of that problem. Exactly. And I mean, you know, the evidence in Kansas City was uh, Sky Moore under 20% of the snaps, only caught one catch, only targeted uh, one time, um, below, you know, half as many snaps as Michael Hardman, less than even Justin Watson. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think Sky Moore will probably be one of the first guys uh, on my chopping block to get one of these one of these good guys. But again, I'm not going to be overly aggressive. I'm going to put an honest. I'm going to put a keep them honest bid in there okay. of like fourteen dollars for Jeff Wilson. Well, I can say this because we're both in different stake leagues. Yeah, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll throw like a fourteen dollar bid on Jeff Wilson, fully expecting that someone's going to swipe in in the eighteen to twenty two dollar range to get him. But it's, so it's the thing. It's like I'm fine cutting Sky Moore if I can get Wilson for. $14, but if I have to pay a third of my fab budget, then maybe I'd just rather hold on to Sky more another week and see what it gets. It gets me because I don't have to struggle to set a lineup next week. You know, it'd be different if I had a multitude of injuries and needed to pick guys up. Like me, like Alan Lazard, Chris Goblin. I, yeah. I, we're talking about we're stake league specifically, and we, we shouldn't mm-hmm. be. This is a 14-team. Exactly. Like, people are really smart in this league. I would imagine mm-hmm. in your 10-team league specifically, you're right. You can operate under that pretenses of, all right, I'll just do Ten or eleven percent. If I really, if I really need a mm-hmm. running back, and even less so for Jalen Warren, I think in in smarter leagues, more than likely Jeff Wilson mm-hmm. and Jalen Warren are picked up already. So you aren't going to be able to have this conversation either way. It really depends on your roster and what spots you have available. And unfortunately, I think that's the answer for yeah. everybody. Wave wide, there there mm-hmm. isn't a obvious slam dunk. There might be at wide receiver, which I'll talk about in a yeah, little bit, but that's, exactly. that's about it. Yeah, so, so one of the reasons why I'm not quite as excited to go all in on Wilson or Warren is because I think uh, Khalil Herbert can be had for cheaper. And uh, I know we both have our situation with the Bears, and we don't think they're going to be very good, and they certainly don't seem to be very good. And Khalil Herbert is 41% rostered, so he's less widely available here. But he seemed to cut significantly under the workload of David Montgomery this weekend. He was getting the goal line touches and the underlying stat was, uh, you know, Montgomery 66.1% of the snaps. Uh, Herbert was down at 28.6. But when Herbert was in, he was getting the work here. And Herbert was, you know, by all intents and purposes, more effective. Now, we just talked about that monsoon game maybe not being the best representation of uh, uh, of the backfield share, though. But uh, I'd almost rather get Herbert for zero, one, two dollars than, uh, you know, have to spend a lot of money late and kind of wait for more of a save the fab money for more of a slam dunk. Pick, pick later on. Yeah, and I, I would imagine most people in leagues where Herbert is available, you could probably go ahead and get him and do just fine over a Warren or uh, Jeff Wilson. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think again, 41% rostered, almost half of the people in fantasy football, at least in Yahoo, are having Herbert on the roster and they should. He's a really quality mm-hmm. backup, mm-hmm. but that's what he is. He's, he's a backup in my mind. Sure. Uh, and I think the playing time splits, again, Montgomery at 66%, Herbert at 28 Tells us basically how this will go, but the goal line touches is what makes things okay, very fine. interesting. That, that 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 varies like week to week. You can scheme things a certain way. It's Fair. not like Montgomery isn't a good touchdown scorer over the course of his mm-hmm. career. They just might have had game plans specifically for Herbert, which is fine. The Rex Burkhead thing I think is a little bit interesting to me. Obviously, uh, this crushed the dreams of many who had Damian Pierce among the f- top four or five rounds at running back. That was dumb anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that, so it was definitely dumb. I only did it at the end because I just want some exposure. Yeah. But we had Rex Similarly. Burkhead with 19 touches compared to Pierce's seven. Yeah. And the snap distribution was just way out of whack. 72.1% to Rex Burkhead, 27.9% to Damian Pierce. I know Rex Burkhead's a little dynamic. He's fine catching the ball out of the backfield. I am not as confident that this will hold up necessarily. It feels a little bit like um, 
almost like the Jags last year when Carlos Hyde was dominating the shares, the backfield shares over James Robinson until Urban Meyer got a little bit wiser before he was ultimately fired. And, uh, you know, the Jags eventually made the right to decision there but it feels a little bit like that right you're more comfortable rolling out your veteran week one and working your rookie in a little bit more as it goes so I definitely don't don't have Pierce even close to being on my cut list and um, I'm not super aggressive on Burkhead no uh, other backups here we got Dontrell Hilliard who had the touchdown reception I think uh, near the goal line that was interesting two touchdown receptions two, I believe, two yeah. thank you yeah and obviously I think from a saying obviously too much it's not obvious mm-hmm. there wasn't a clear indication Hilliard was going to be the backup even though we had that play out last year to Derrick Henry I think if you have Derrick Henry in a roster this is Jake's turn to yes here. exactly you should be rostering uh Hillary if, if, if you have space available that is valuable roster space enough for me mm-hmm. I'm curious if you who is rostering Derrick Henry far more than I am feel yeah. the same way yeah yeah absolutely so I actually drafted uh, Hilliard, this was a good guess. All the way back in June in the Sirius XM League, mm. I, it was the one where I took uh, where I took Henry fifth overall because I, you know, I, I have all that confidence in him. You know, I drafted him, guessed he was the backup. I guess that works out. And uh, yeah, I might be looking to uh, back him up in other leagues. I wonder if he'll be available in Dynasty, and that'll make a a decent uh, a, a bit on him. I think um, he should be. I think he. In PPR formats, he might have a little bit of week to week value mm, too, okay. as a, as a desperation flex play. Like, not that you're throwing them both out or you're throwing Hiller out there confidently, but if he's going to get this kind of usage, they're clearly more confident in him. He has he showed some big playability last year when uh, right. Henry when Henry was out. You know, he's Deontay Foreman getting the carries, but then yeah. it was Hilliard who was doing the explosive yep, things. Would, I completely yeah, agree. Would yeah. be super explosive. So yeah, I remember being. Uh, in some in some Henry leagues where I was knocked out of the playoffs, I remember I played spoiler by picking up Hill, Dontrell Hillard, Hillard last year, and uh, yeah, so I think um, he's someone that I, w- I would think you don't need to pay a high price. Now people might be blinded by the two touchdowns a little bit, and uh, and you know might think he's suddenly the top pickup, or if people are just sorting by points scored week one uh, running backs, and they saw that he had you know twenty points. Yeah, they might, but he's a guy that uh, he's definitely a target too. He's in you know one of these lower price backup bids that uh, that that's worth adding to your roster. Any other running backs do you want to discuss, about Jake? Yeah, I mean, I got to mention Jamal Williams because he was getting some goal line work, and uh, he's forty eight percent rostered. So um, you know, I just I, I still think this is the Swift show, and uh, it's going to be very frustrating week to week picking Jamal Williams weeks. You know, if you I could see you picking him up and then him having a three fantasy point week and then cutting him and then going back. I don't and know forth about three fantasy, especially in PPR. I think he's okay. going to be more of a factor. Like I think he's a a worse version of JD McKissick, and McKissick's like guaranteed eight to ten points every week. Mm-hmm. So I think I actually think Williams is fine yeah, to with say a little more touchdown if upside. He, yeah. If yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, like you you can make that work if mm-hmm. you really have to. Um, and I have Williams everywhere. I was I was taking yeah. him as like the 14th or 15th round, whatever, RB5 or 6. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So I'm, I'm, it's like it's I'm a conservative play. It. You kind of know yeah. what you're getting, but he definitely maybe doesn't have the ceiling as someone like Jeff Wilson. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I completely agree how we think of that. I feel like we need to mention Brian Robinson, 45%. Uh, reports came out since the, our last show that he could return from his knee injury by week five. And then, uh, you know, this pains me to mention this guy, but apparently Elvin Kamara came out of week one with a bit of a rib issue. We'll have to see, um, you know, how the Saints handled that and what his practice time will be this week. But uh, Mark Ingram clearly is the guy there if uh, Elvin Kamara is out of commission. So he's someone, uh, you know, that you throw out there. Um, do you want to talk about cuts at all? Want to try to do that? <laughs> well, I, I had said uh, everyone at the office Thursday was probably the best victory lap day I could have because mm-hmm. 
I was pretty convinced uh, Cam Akers people were wrong, and oof, that didn't look good. Uh, mm-hmm. I was pretty convinced Gabe Davis was going to be good. That was just fine. And I also mm-hmm. was not very committed to Allen Robinson. And after yeah. uh, Thursday, that all looked really good. Everything, of course, went downhill. Can, can that, you but... uh, can you join the club with uh, – I have zero Cam Akers and zero Allen Robinson across anything, but maybe a couple no, best balls. I have one Allen Robinson. Yep. Uh, it was – it was intentional. I won't even lie. I, I actually am fine yeah. buying Al Robinson, but Cam Akers, no. You put on the document, should we cut Cam Akers and say JK? <laughs> no, I might actually. I, I'm not. I'm not actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I will be willing to sell yeah. him for just. For those of you that aren't glued to Twitter nonstop, Cam Akers had one of the most horrendous pass blocking, uh, <laughs> you know, fumbles, I guess you could say. Probably almost worse than a fumble in a coach's eye where he saw his pickup. He saw the guy coming free right towards Stafford, decided he was going to creep, get out of his way, creep out on the flat, and let Stafford get smoked, just annihilated. Now, they, they completed the pass on the play, but a coach sees that from the running back. Uh, you know, no, no effort, not even a, an attempt to chip him, and just kind of a mental error, too, thinking you need to be running a route on that play instead of, you know, protecting your, your franchise quarterback. Um, so that was brutal. I don't think, you know, after seeing stuff like that, it's pretty discouraging about his playing time outlook. Um, Tony Pollard is a name I put on here is an interesting one that mm. might go in the 10 team slot league. receiver, Tony Pollard, yeah, what? slot receiver, Tony Pollard. I mean, yeah, Cooper Rush is the quarterback right now. And it's very, very clear, at least from week one, you know, not to overreact too much to week one, but, uh, Elliot is still RB one. He's not just going to suddenly lose that job, you know, um, you know, even more secure than uh, guys like David Montgomery and stuff like that. Zeke is is the guy, and then of course uh, I put Mike Davis on the cut I, list. I we missed one. on we missed on that one. Mike Davis, even if uh, even if um, uh, J.K. Dobbins doesn't come back week two, which yeah. we, he probably will, Mike Davis can still go on the cut list. I mean, Kenyon Drake got the carries. I I don't think anybody in the industry really saw that coming. We'll take our lumps with that one. Um, I, you know, I had picked up Mike Davis in a couple places, but fortunately did not have to start him. It was more of a block move that ended up having zero effect. Right. I was going to say a lot of smart people I saw across my leagues pick up Mike Davis, too. That's an instant cut in my mind. There's no mm-hmm. reason to to roster him. It's not like Kenyon Drake did fine either. 11 carries for 31 yards is not exciting. Mm-hmm. You would think the pass catching would be there from, but he only had one catch. So I'm, I think it was more, oh, we play the Jets. We can literally just put out trash and it's fine yeah and that's the case of what kenny drake and mike davis yeah. were but you can i mean mike davis is like your first cut now even exactly. if you have a tight end two and home kelsey or yeah, you have or, Isaiah Likely. Or, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, we yeah. talked about last week yeah, yeah that guy could be on there so um yeah if we have time we'll try to get to some cuts every week because i know we like to uh give out all these suggestions but the real the, the real tough call is who the heck yes. am i going to drop mm-hmm. you know let's put this in practical situations so Hopefully that's a little bit helpful, but tweet us your cuts too if you want. Let's get to the wide receivers before we do those. Uh, word from our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on, your tailgate snacks ready. That's right, NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure a spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long with Vivid Seats. You'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium, Jake. I'll see you at the Packers Stadium next week. I'm sure you and I are both going to the Bears game. Uh, That was not a Vivid Seats purchase, but we will both be there anyway. I'm excited for that contest. Bears-Packers is always my favorite one I go to with my dad every single year. It's like when we're uh, auctioning off the tickets to everyone else in the family, that one's yep. already claimed. And, uh, I'm excited got, for that. Yep. Yeah. All right. So you get to have the biggest victory lap possibly <laughs> of the whole season. Like I think this was that good of a call and I am completely wrong and already ready to backtrack. 
I was lamenting you for Jarvis Landry saying yeah. you could play any one of the scrub uh, scrub Chiefs receivers and they would do better than Jarvis Landry. I said Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. over Jarvis Landry. I was ready to be committed. Thankfully, you didn't officially call me on that bet. He did fantastic. What, nine catches for over yep. 100 yards, something like that? Yeah, that see, was about as wrong as it could possibly yeah, get. Yeah, he led the Saints in catches with – or he led the Saints at nine targets, and he led the Saints wide receivers with a 73% snap share. Now, to break it down, Olave was actually out there for 71.9%, and Michael Thomas was only out there for 61.4%. Now, the one thing I'll say about that is Thomas kind of came in with uh, some injury stuff this week. It felt like he wasn't always really guaranteed. turned around, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I, I can see – Thomas's snap share growing, you know, more as he, you know, hopefully gets healthier and healthier. But Jarvis Landry, I think, is going to be a perfect plug and play wide receiver, three flex type guy every single week because, um, I mean, the situation, I think, it, I mean, it improves with Jameis, believe it or not. And uh, it improves with having other capable weapons around him. And uh, he seems healthy. He's going to be. You know, he's not going to be some league winner that'll get you 30, 40 points and win you the week, but he's going to be an absolutely reliable option here. And I think uh, will continue to be for the rest of the season. So maybe he's my wide receiver three in stake league. And I got bailed out and I got bailed out by, uh, yeah, because I'm going to start him over, you know, MVS or Sky Moore or or those types of guys. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be a reliable wide receiver three. He's almost, I'm not quite willing to give him the Hunter Renfro from last season, but you're sitting around thinking that could be about a rough ceiling for him if he continues to see this type of volume and have this type of chemistry with Jameis. I mean, he's I have, only 42% rostered in Yahoo. This could arguably be he's my your top bid. He's, yeah. he's my top pick of this week if he's available. I, I would have said, well, so I have Robert Woods and Hunter Renfro on my side of the stake league. Mm-hmm. I would have easily said both those guys outproduced Jarvis Landry this week and also rest of season. Woods got one catch for 13 yards. That mm-hmm. might look like a cut uh, already after week two, which yeah. sucks. That and Titans situation. We'll Hunter Renfro was weird. like dis- just completely disappeared after Devontae yep. Adams. It's like he, the, Derek Carr found a much hotter girlfriend. Said sorry, uh, you know, I'm yeah. not interested. In that. that that's crazy to me that we've had such a disparity. And I would have thought for sure both yeah. of those guys would outproduce Jarvis. There's Andrew. a point in my thought process where Renfro's ADP kept going lower and lower, and there were leagues that he was going, you know, 20 spots under the ADP. And I'm thinking, man, people are sleeping on him. But now that I realize this, it's like when you have Devonte Adams, when you have that shiny new toy, you look at him and you throw the ball to him over and over and over again. And uh, I'm not necessarily convinced that uh, you know Renfro is suddenly going to kind of break out or get back to last year's levels with you know when you've got Adams and you've got Waller in this offense. Um, I I can victory lap this a little bit, although I I actually backed off towards the end of the season. It was really only deeper leagues where this became the case. Devin Duvernay, 14 total times right uh, targeted, clear. Number two wide receiver wasn't mm-hmm. Isaiah likely. Even Mark Andrews took a sidestep in this Jets game, which I think was more the Jets mm-hmm. than it was yeah. anything else. They weren't forced to air at all, really. At any no, point. I mean two touchdowns as well. Like I was, I was really convinced Deverney was one of those better values uh, around sixteen and later. Mm-hmm. Every deep league I have, he is on my team. So thankfully, all those best balls are looking a lot better because of him. I didn't get him enough in a redraft. He's going to yep. be the guy, uh, stake leagues in particular, that I would be committing. Remember like two years ago mm-hmm. when Jacoby Myers became a thing and you're like, oh, there's no way Jacoby Myers in a half-point PPR league can get – oh, wait, he's five straight weeks with 10-plus points. Yep. That's what I All think DeVernay is going to be end up doing for the for the Ravens this year. The touchdown's not so much, but I was happily mm-hmm. convinced by the workload he saw. Yeah, the Ravens' receiver snap count was kind of weird. Bateman, 67.9%. DeVernay, 52.8%. Demarcus Robinson, 43.4%. And then a couple of relevant guys. That just kind of shows you how much they use two tight end sets. 
mm-hmm. um, in that situation. But uh, Duvernay's up there. He returns punts. You know, he's done that can too. I, can I correct? I said I said I got targeted 14 times. The receivers overall were only targeted 14 times. Yeah. So it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. I still think he is going to be a weapon for them yeah. offensively. Most yeah, I guess if you look at target share, as uh, you know, then, you know, then you're out there yeah, with yeah. a third or more. So, so that's good. Um, you know, yeah, we've like a lot of guys around here, a lot of smart minds around here have liked DuVernay over the years, and now he's finally getting his chance, and it looks like he's going to take advantage. He's absolutely somebody that, uh, you know, I put, if you're looking for wide receivers, he's my next bid after Jarvis Landry. Do oh, you want to team me up for the uh, Keenan Allen news as the guy yes. who has him on Dynasty? Yes, I don't see um, anything new uh, news-wise. 51 minutes ago uh, from now, we have Keenan Allen may have avoided long-term injury here. Um, but it looks like he's got a hamstring injury. He didn't play a whole lot uh, in Sunday's game. He left in the second yeah, quarter. Yeah, left in the second, second quarter, quarter. Yep. exactly. So he didn't play a whole lot. And we have a short week here for the Chargers here. So, uh, you know, Mike Mike Williams had uh, 92.3% snap share in that game. But I saw a funny tweet. I forget, Again, I got to kind of log this. But they were like, oh, he was just out there getting his cardio in because he wasn't a factor at all in the <laughs> offense. Yeah, right, yep. <laughs> um, they completed uh, receptions to nine different receivers. Mike Williams only got two exactly. of those catches. It was all over the place. So so here's my thing. I look at the box score, and then I look at kind of the usage here. Uh, Joshua Palmer was the guy that we kind of – not really hiked up a little bit during the season, but thought – you know, in the he past, maybe he was, at the end, yeah, he yeah. was a fast riser. We thought he would be the third guy. He was, you know, on the field more, but um, DeAndre Carter was a little bit more productive here. Um, I mean, what a fan, how do fantasy managers with Keenan Allen or fantasy managers just looking for a wide receiver on a third week? How do they look at this and diagnose this situation? Joe's our chargers beat writer. So he's got hopefully an inside track. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll credit uh, Mario Puig, who's always smart in the stuff uh, for a lot of my rationale for the chargers offense. The the bonus for Palmer has been, hey, he's going to be the wide receiver three for the Chargers. He pretty convincingly beat Jalen Guyton, who had been previously that guy over the last two years uh, throughout preseason and training camp and, mm-hmm. and like secured that by week two. At minimum, he's going to be your wide receiver three. If anything were to happen to Keenan Allen, that's what Palmer is going to be, the new Keenan Allen. He's not a speed guy, but a route runner guy. He can get open on the routes. Three catches for five yards, despite having two and a half quarters without Keenan Allen out there. Didn't feel very Keenan Allen-like to me. I think DeAndre Carter actually has a lot of value. And then, like, I shouldn't be revealing this because I'm playing in a lot of uh, – I'm playing in these leagues where people are going to be listening to the podcast. DeAndre Carter is going to be a pickup for me uh, in the NFFC in deeper leagues where I can find value for him. I don't anticipate Keenan Allen plays for the next two or three weeks. So that that is part of the rationale mm-hmm. behind this. They need speed on the field. Mike Williams is a big guy. He can get deep balls, but he certainly can't get separation. The two receptions DeAndre Carter had were out of the slot, both 20-yard plays. He got that touchdown. He was also a touchdown guy for the commanders last year, too, or the football team, I should say. Like He has performed when he's had the opportunities. DeAndre Carter will instantly be the fastest player in the field, and they need that. I think even if Palmer is getting routes and, and playing 50 offensive snaps like he did last week. It's Carter that's going to have as much, if not more, value than Palmer. I like him, especially in deeper form at Stake League. I will probably be playing DeAndre Carter next week if Alan Lazard's not healthy. Yep. They're definitely on the radar for me, and uh, but I might not get as much bid in on them because I really like this next guy from the Commanders. Speaking <laughs> oh, of the yes. Commanders, uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, he's only 24% rostered in Yahoo leagues. What I really love is that he was on – so I saw his touchdowns. Like, yeah, he ran he ran a good route. Uh, he looks good, but I'm like, are they really using him that much week one? And then I looked, sure enough, they're absolutely using him. 87.1% of the snaps for perspective. Terry McLaurin, 88.6% of the snaps. And Curtis Samuel, who saw, some, also top pick who saw some interesting usage there, mm-hmm. uh, 68.6%. 
Um, now, Curtis Samuel, I guess we can talk about these guys together, right? Curtis Samuel, only 6% rostered. Uh, people kind of figured they knew what they were getting from him a little bit. Someone that can run the ball a little bit, you know, maybe a sneaky gadget in the red zone, um, you know, also can get separation there. Uh, but Curtis Samuel, 6%, Jahan Dotson, 24%. Uh, Samuel, I saw, had the highest run r- routes ran rate out of out of all those receivers so basically when what that's saying is when samuel was on the field he was definitely running routes and they were looking to get him involved so that can sometimes make up for a slightly lower snap share but um but man both of these guys and i guess samuel like i said factor from the backfield you know you might get robinson back week five uh if something else happens with antonio gibson which has been prone to happen you know maybe samuel could get uh uh, carries like uh, the last name, you know, like like, like Debo over in right. San Francisco. You know, I'm not going to quite make <laughs> it must that. Must com- be a last name thing. Is yeah, it must be a last name thing. I'm not going to quite make that comp yet, but uh, I'm. I have. I'll. I guess I might put some small bids in for Samuel, depending on what my roster looks like. But I'm more intrigued by the unknown. I guess of Jahan Dotson. Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah, he's the rookie, and he comes out. You know, rookies need some time to get acclimated. Even Jamar Chase. I can't remember how he started, but like even these guys tend to need some time to get out. I mean, you look at Sky Moore, you look at Chris Olave, you look at Traylon Burks, all, all these guys. Yeah, you know, Wilson from the Jets. They all seemingly need some a little bit of time to get acclimated here. Whereas Jahan Dotson was immediately on the field a ton and immediately part of the offense. Offense. So I'm very intrigued there um, with, you know, with what might happen there. And uh, he could be a guy that, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a Jarvis Landry's kind of your safety play. Jahan Dotson, you, you're bidding, hoping for a home run play. Yeah. Uh, tech whiz Harry Thomas, we've talked about in the past podcast. He asked me today, what was your biggest surprise from week one? And I had to think about it a little bit because I, I got a, I got a decent amount of things correct. And I was going back to all the Ask an Expert questions I'm answering Friday and Saturday. And they were naming off four or five different receivers, the the Wandale Robinsons and, uh, it, you know, Jarvis Landry was in that equation too, got that wrong. And Jahan Dotson was like, which one of these crappy wide receivers should I play? And I'm like, uh, just play this crappy receiver and cut Jahan Dotson. Like, I, I apologize to anyone <laughs> whose questions I answered Friday and Saturday because I couldn't have been more wrong about the situation. I agree with you as somebody that – is going to need at least one wide receiver, if not two, in the Snake League and other deeper leagues. Dotson is absolutely going to be one of the guys I consider, and I will be investing a decent amount to make mm-hmm. sure I get that position solidified. I have Robert Woods. I have Hunter Renfro. I will consider, especially Woods, but even Renfro, dropping both yep. for any one of these guys that we've mentioned over the past 10 or so minutes. Mm-hmm. I think all are are more quality options yeah. at this point. We definitely like Landry, um, you know, probably more as an ad, but here's kind of how I see it. Like if you're starting lineup set and you don't need a starter, um, then maybe you consider Dotson over Landry, just hoping for the home run play. But if you need a wide receiver three right now, I think Landry will be safer and more reliable week to week. But uh, Dotson, again, you, you bid for that upside and who knows, maybe it's a league winning bid. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Other receivers, just to note while I'm answering questions here in the chat, DJ Chark, I mean, we've been he's been a proponent of this podcast now, or we've been a proponent of his on the podcast over a couple of years. I was convinced with Jared Goff, who can't throw more than five yards as your QB, that's not going to work. Well, he's still an NFL starting QB. So by default, he probably yep. can throw more than five yards. Chark ended up being successful. I like him from a talent perspective. It's always been a, a bad situation. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced there's going to be 70 points scored total in Lions games in the future, right? This was 30 yep. to 35. That's not going to happen. So by default, I think mm-hmm. Chark is the one that takes a bit of a hit. Yeah. So yeah, the thought process with uh, Chark and him being left out of the conversation in most 12-team redraft leagues, or if anything, maybe a very, very late pick, was that, okay, Amon Ra's the guy, right? Hawkinson's back and healthy. Swift, Swift is back and healthy. Yeah. How many more targets are there to go around? And uh, if, you know, 
with those targets, can Jared Goff actually lead another receiver to be productive? At least in week one, the answer was yes. We'll see how long that can continue. Uh, Amon Ra, 12 targets, and Shark was second with eight targets. And then Hawkinson got seven. Nobody else got more than three. So it's looking like Shark is a wide receiver, too, in this offense. Um I don't know if that makes him number two in the pass-catching pecking order necessarily uh, from week to week. I think it's going to depend how other teams scheme him and, and Hawkinson. But Shark, uh, at only 40% rostered, warrants at least a spot on the list. Yeah, and then Robbie Anderson, too, who seemed to actually work pretty well with Baker Mayfield. Had a 75-yard touchdown, which account for 75% of his yards. Mm-hmm. Did lead the team in targets, though. DJ Moore also being around. Perhaps more importantly, he played 100% of the snaps over our guys like yep. Terrace Marshall and uh, uh, yeah. I don't see, Higgins. you know, I'm not sure if I'm reading this completely correctly, Smith. but Shai I don't Smith's see, uh, I don't, yeah, Shai Smith is the wide receiver three. I don't see Terrace Marshall as playing play. like, I think a he, single snap. He was active, but didn't end up playing. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't like some ID thing on our page that was making him not show up. But yeah, 100% of the snaps, that's certainly encouraging. He's got Baker Mayfield's trust. We've seen him, we've seen him do it in the past. I mean, he's been, uh, it was only a few years ago that he was arguably a league winning pickup after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, leaving the Jets and, and, and catching on here, uh, you know, with Carolina. I mean, yeah, he had a thousand yard season in 2020 with Carolina, 95 catches. Um, and you look, let's see, he's 29 years old. So, you know, theoretically in his prime, if he's Baker Mayfield's favorite target on a team that I'm sure is going to have to play some catch up either due to the defense or either due to Baker Mayfield digging them holes. <laughs> Um, both. Yeah. Or both or both. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Robbie Anderson at 11% is definitely, uh, an under the radar name that might be able to help your team. Uh, just long shot names, guys that are under 5% rostered for the most part, Greg Dorch. It felt like every time I was watching the ESPN box score updates mm-hmm. for Cardinals chiefs, oh, Dorch get yeah. a target Dorch. There's I, a lot of Connor McGregor. Who the F is that guy? You uh, know? Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a lot of that. I anticipate once Rondell Moore comes back healthy, mm-hmm. Dorch will be a guy that we don't have to consider. Well, yeah. It's Rondell Moore coming back healthy and DeAndre Hopkins in, is coming six, back. In five yeah. weeks now. Yeah. So yeah, if you need a, if you got everybody hurt and need a flex in a 16 team or <laughs> you think about this guy getting targets in the short term. Yeah. Maybe. Sterling Shepard also got to have his long touchdown, obviously, mm-hmm. with Wanda Robinson with the injury. Canarius Tony doing his uh, magician disappearing act. Uh, that was interesting. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, Shepard has always mm-hmm. been one of Daniel Jones's favorite targets when Shepard's healthy. Yep, there's, yeah, there's chemistry healthy, there. right? Uh, yeah. Then there's the Zay Jones factor for the Raiders, Kyle Phillips for the Titans. Actually, we were wondering who's the number two pass catcher. Yes. For the, well, maybe it's Kyle Phillips, the rookie. Yeah, fifth rounder. And then uh, Ben Skronik, who also did, you know, a little bit of stuff with Allen Robinson. Now, I, all those names. Not really considering. I think we're at a point right now mm-hmm. in the waivers, even in deeper leagues, where some of these guys I mentioned above are, yeah. are going to be available and you can use for wide receiver mm-hmm. three or flex. We're really digging to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. again, players. like I said, we'll say all the names here. And yeah, just to talk about the Titans real quick. Westbrook Akeen, who we pumped up, a, or I guess who I pumped up incorrectly a week ago, still tied with Robert Woods for the team lead in Snapshare. Both of them 68.3%. Phillips 43.3%. Burke 36.7%. Burke Burks looked good when he caught the ball. He looked pretty good in the open field, at least from what I was able to catch watching that through red zone. So I think Burks will, who again, they put a big emphasis emphasis on getting him going in the preseason. Um, I think he'll slowly start to see that snap share grow for Burks. So uh, he's, you know, despite only being on the field for a little more than a third of the snaps, Burks is definitely not even close to someone I'm considering cutting yet. I think I, we'll see his role grow a little bit. I agree. Even if Kyle Phillips and, you know, another rookie seems to have carved out more volume in the short term. 
We'll we'll burn through the tight ends and kicker defenses real quick. First, a word from our sponsors. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more for speed, you've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now on monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Last week, we had talked about Isaiah Likely. We had both been fading him. I'm dropping him. Even though he got four targets, mm-hmm. which is a decent amount for the Ravens uh, and what they did against the Jets, pretty clearly he's not that big of a focal point in that preseason yeah. hype like you mentioned. I mean, he was never somebody that you were going to pay more than a $1 bid or a Mr. Irrelevant oh, picking your draft that, just to yeah. see. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're good. So thankfully, <laughs> we were, they didn't listen to our podcast. That's what yes, it was. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they fell into that trap. But he was someone that was always going to be on the chopping block week one if he didn't see the volume. And granted, there wasn't much of a passing game you know, for the Ravens because they didn't need it uh, necessarily. But, yeah, he's someone that I, I would feel comfortable cutting for a guy maybe like Gerald Everett. Because we talked about Keenan Allen being out there, are targets available, especially red zone targets. I mean, Keenan Allen was surprisingly like shifty in the red zone and got mm-hmm. his got his looks there. So Gerald Everett is a guy who has been, you know, preseason ranked top ten tight end in the past uh, in past seasons, and he's someone that can kind of, you know, he I think he can get going. He was on the field for just less than two thirds of the snaps, uh, beating out Trey McKitty, uh, you know, a fantastic name here. But uh, no, Gerald Everett is arguably one of the top tight ends that I'm looking at. I still like Bobby Tanyan. Uh, he's only 24% roster. And the few catches he got, I thought he, he, he mm-hmm. was like, oh, he's fast. Like the, That's right. The athleticism yeah. there. Everyone's like baby mm-hmm. Gronk or sorry, baby Kittle, right? Yeah. But uh, this is like a faster version of that too, which I was – Exactly. He didn't yeah. Get many targets, yeah, a little more speed. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, – well, there were a couple things that I noticed here, you know, with watching that, that pain of a Packer game is uh, one, healthy, right? That was the key. He's mm-hmm. always had an injury tag on our database all offseason, came in, looked healthy. And two – um, on the last play, I guess the last important relevant play of the game for the Packers on when they went for it on fourth and short, instead of, you know, running the ball or trying to pound it up the middle, um, Rogers tried to find Bobby Tanyan on a seam and, uh, you know, ended up throwing in a very good coverage. But the fact that Rogers trusts him to, to do that, to make that play, um, over any of his other receivers here, you know, how Rogers might hold a grudge. We'll see if he throws a Christian, Christian Watson ever again, not to get too sidetracked here, but, um, Tanyan, out of the guys that are there, has Rogers' trust. And again, I don't like to look too much into the narrative thing, but uh, there were reporters in the locker room before the game uh, earlier in the week interviewing Aaron Jones. And I think Aaron Jones told the reporters, again, I'm going to paraphrase this quote, not exactly. He told him he was pointing at Robert Tanyan and said, this is the man who could lead us in catches this year. So there are uh, there are definitely some, some, some tallies in Tanyan's favor. And I expect that... Uh, Again, the Packers last year started out so terribly to the Saints, obviously got it together. None of those guys play in the preseason, understandably, which I'm in favor of. Even if that means week one performances like this every year, I'm always in favor of them sitting in the preseason. But anyway, all of that is to say that the offense is going to get better. Tanyan has Rodgers' trust, and Tanyan was already involved despite you know carrying that injury tag all offseason. So he's healthy. He's got trust. I put him right up there with Everett as the top pickups. I was actually picking Tanyan up in a couple of leagues. I dropped people like Austin Hooper. I dropped Noah Fant for Tanyan. Um, so I guess that's kind yeah. of what we're you yeah. know what we're looking at there here. So Tanyan and Everett, top two tight ends. Uh, yeah, I guess my question for you, and this this matters more, would you cut Irv Smith or Cole Komet for either of those? I would cut Irv Smith. Cole Komet's tough because I don't want to didn't judge. Didn't get any catches, right? Yeah, I didn't get any catches, but I don't want to judge him for that monsoon game. I think I I like Cole Komet's upside uh, enough to hang on to him and, and, and you know, 
one more week. Uh, now, it would be a lot tougher if I was going to rely on starting Cole Komet this week. Then I think, hmm, Tunyon probably has a bigger floor, but I'll definitely, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. And I also just want to mention real quick, OJ Howard from the Texans, only on the field, less for 20, less than 20% of snaps, but did score two touchdowns. Clearly seems to be, you know, a red zone guy there. I look at him in a similar vein as maybe like a Mo Alley Cox. If it's a touchdown only league and it's deep or you're just hunting for that yeah. touchdown in a really deeper two tight end league. I, I'm with you in the touchdown league. I hadn't even thought about that too. So tight ends, a little bit tough because I think for the most part, you're eight or nine you feel comfortable with. And I actually was thinking I'd, I'd keep Irv Smith over those two again, Gerald Everett and, and Robert Tunney. Now that you mentioned it, I'll take both over. over yeah. Irv Smith. It was weird when that Packer game, they were throwing to the other tight ends that were never even on my radar. Minnesota right. was before they were throwing Irv Smith. He eventually got involved, but um, you know, not very encouraging there, especially when Jefferson's can and should get all those the great majority of the targets. Real quick, uh, any defenses that you want to mention for the listeners? Yeah, there were three names I put down. The Bengals at Dallas. Obviously, you're going against Cooper Rush. That assumes they don't sign and get anybody else good to go. But even if they do, you maybe look at the Bengals. They're the highest rostered at 44%. Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, after what they did to Joe Burrow, they take a hit without TJ Watt. But Minka Fitzpatrick looks like he could be a defensive player of the year. I think that defense is still good, and they'll get it together. They're going against the Patriots, who one, look bad, two, Mac Jones has back issues, and three, it might not even be Mac Jones, we'll have to see. And the third defense is the Cleveland Browns, 27% rostered. They're home, they're playing the Jets, and Joe Flacco, I mean, it's going to be a pick on the Jets year, kind of, unless they show us something else. Okay, that's fair. I'm just answering questions right now, so that's why I figured yeah, uh, I'll let you, you run through that. run through those uh, mm-hmm. defensive options. Do you got a favorite out of those three? Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland? Yeah. All I, from I, the same division? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even realize that when I was I, putting I it down. I think it might be the Browns. I mean, you can, yeah. you can you can and should probably play all three of these. I mean, Cooper mm-hmm. Rush is, is very bad. I, I don't quite understand how the Cowboys enter this year, every mm-hmm. single year, with as bad of backup QBs as they do, but – here we are. So the Bengals make complete sense. Uh, they were opportunistic last year in that run to the Super Bowl defensively. And I think you're going to see that fall off a little bit because turnovers aren't just guaranteed. Browns looked really spry, though, against the Panthers. I thought there's the sack potential, there's the turnover potential, mm-hmm. and the Jets did not. I mean, you could say you a know, lot of things. The Jets did not. Well, a last note here, I know we're running on time here, but the Browns, one thing is uh, they were missing Jack Conklin, who was uh, you know, one of their reliable starters at tackle. And they still had a phenomenal run day, a great day on the ground. Nick Chubb, uh, even though Chubb wasn't the one scoring touchdowns, he racked up a ton of yards, perfectly viable. It looks like Chubb and Hunt might both be startable. Um, now, maybe the matchup and the opponent wasn't all that great, but assuming Conklin comes back and that line gets even stronger, um, I think this run, the Browns running game uh, could be excellent. You know, I apologize, Jake, but I want to circle back to something here. So, uh, listener, appreciate uh, – Let's. yeah, I want to make sure I get your name. Scott. Cabe, Cope. I appreciate you mentioned this. He'd asked if we talked about Kyle Phillips in our thoughts. Again, Kyle Phillips, the rookie receiver for the mm-hmm. tight ends. Tight ends. Titans. Titans. Right. <laughs> yep. I, I had glanced over that game overall. It was just a lot of Saquon Barkley talk in my timeline, which is fine, but just gets knowing. He played 31 of the 65 possible snacks. Yeah, 43.3%. Six catches for 66 yards. I mean, if Robert Woods and Westbrook Keen aren't going to do anything and Burks is still working his way there, there needs to be a second target for the Titans. And I don't think that team is good enough, especially defensively, to mm-hmm. just use Derrick Henry the whole time. Does he have more value than we're thinking he might? Yeah, I mean, he might. Uh, I, again, I, I put him you know, out of the long shot category that we had. I guess I would put Phillips ahead of Dorch, Shepard, Zay Jones, Skronak, you know, those type of guys. But um, I, do, I do have a little bit of a fear that 
that maybe this isn't necessarily sustainable. And I think, you know, Westbrook, Akeen, and Robert Woods were the one-two out on the field, even if they weren't the one-two in production. Mm-hmm. And uh, it probably won't be long before Burke starts to kind of take that job from him. I mean, I could be very wrong on this. I could eat the, I could eat those words. The usage is certainly encouraging. But he doesn't seem like that flashy or exciting of a guy that's going to make a huge difference. And I'd definitely be looking – I mean, let's put, we'll put it this way. I like Landry. I like DuVernay. I like Dotson. I like um, Shark, Shark. And Anderson. No, I mean, those are two clearly guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are so the three guys. I think I like Shark and uh, Palmer, maybe even Samuel and, and Anderson. I guess Anderson I'd rank ahead of uh, – I'd actually rank Anderson. Now that I think about it and we talked through it, I'd rank Anderson ahead of both Palmer and Curtis Samuel here. Yeah. The 100% snap share. He was like one of the last names I thought of, and I was like, oh, he just got it all on one play. But uh, the the part that I'm worried with Kyle Phillips, and it's so tough because we're only in week one of the season. You have the Bills next week. We saw what they did against the Rams, who I think are a better team pretty clearly than Titans. Maybe they just do what they did with Cooper Cup. Oh, sure, you can beat us, Kyle Phillips. I don't care as long as it's not Derrick Henry. We'll commit 11 people to it. Someone's going to be open. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Colts, who I also think are pretty good secondary, and the Raiders over the next three weeks. So if you're saying let's pick up Kyle Phillips and, and, oh, he got Mm -hmm. six catches. Then a week six by. I I think – I need to see it more consistently. If he is Ryan Tannehill's second target, okay, mm-hmm. answers are, answers are there. I'm going to have to wait though because there yeah. are, there there's going to be a lot of leagues where I don't think that he'll be picked up this week necessarily. I would agree. I don't think he's even a guarantee to be picked up team, given all these other yeah twelve team or fourteen even twelve sure. teams yeah. ten teams he probably shouldn't be rostered. I, was, I don't yeah, think twelve teams you can maybe that. have a chance depending on your bench spot allotment. Also, I guess if you do want to roster him, only one L in this Phillips. Just a a heads up. Something that I ran into when I was, uh, when I was making the outline and just again, right now, one L in Phillips. Yeah. I I apologize for having to circle back because it was an interesting question. I haven't really uh, looked at those numbers. This is what happens. We We did kind of breeze by, but there were a lot of, the problem is, is there were so many good, you know, receiving options that you want to look at this week exactly. that, uh, you know, guys that we maybe like a little bit better. Jerry so. Donabedian is always going to have his snap share and target share article generally out by Tuesday afternoon. And it's one of those things I rely on every single time. You We're doing this podcast uh, super early, at least uh, starting at 11 central time that we missed some of these crucial details. And I'm always doing my reviews, of the games uh, throughout the week, just because I don't have a lot of time Sunday and money to prepare mm-hmm. for it as well. We do the best we can for the podcast. I'm saying there's a lot of data and stuff that we could still digest and analyze. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of yeah. an important context for the Kyle Phillips sure. thing. So. I'll do my quick uh, plug here. Jerry's got streaming defenses out and uh, usually a hidden stat line for the running backs comes out later on Tuesday and for the receivers on Wednesday. So I think it's the same setup this year. I guess I don't want to fully commit to that, but those are like three key pieces of content to uh, – especially, you know, even after your waivers run tonight for the first come, first serve stuff. Awesome. Well, that does it for us on the Tuesday edition of the NFL, Rotowire NFL podcast, 34 viewers out there. That's a pretty good number for us normally. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of listens to the podcast. and We're just getting the, ready the for the too. drive home, right? Just, well, you know, that's just want to thank you guys out there. out there listening, whatever platform you do. It's always great to get um, that push. This will be also out uh, later on wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, which you'll probably be aware of because you're hopefully listening to it. So we'll be back again next week going over all these waiver wire. Hopefully there's more uh, obvious decisions. I think there's a lot of good value right now, but you got to be able to find it. And hopefully we're able to direct you in that uh, spot. So thank you everyone for listening. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com